Hold on. We're off to a great start here, folks. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. How about them Cubbies? Yeah, we got like two Cubbies fans here. Or if you're just a general, general sports fan, it's just been an exciting week. So, uh, yeah, for those of you who, uh, who don't know me, uh, my name is Sam Mains. Um, you probably know my brother. Um, so, and Jed has been here for a couple years now, and uh, he and his wife, Rebecca, uh, I know that they've been, uh, it's really exciting to hear the things that they've been doing here with you guys. Um, <clears throat> and I am, uh, I'm really privileged to be here today. Um, I'm, uh, I'm the college ministry director uh, at River City Church, so I have the privilege of leading our college group. It's called Regenerate, and like half of them are right over here. Um, we just had an incredible time um, this weekend. It's been really, it's been really, really good getting to know God through the the power of the Holy Spirit, understanding what is available to us as believers, uh, so that we can actually make an impact in the world around us. So we've been focused on that kind of transformational stuff, and that really gets me fired up. Uh, I, I really get fired up about Christians being transformed. Not just Christians. Obviously, it starts when you, before you know Jesus. You don't know anything about Jesus. And then you come to know Jesus. And then the closer you get to Jesus, the more you become like Jesus. You get transformed, like it says in 2 Corinthians, from one degree of glory to the next. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And that's what gets me excited, is to see people growing into all that God has called them to be in Christ. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Now, the folks that Regenerate know this, um, but for those of you who are fresh to, to, to me, um, I, I, I like to talk a little bit. Like I, like to, I like dialogue, though. When it comes to preaching, this is not a one-man sport. Okay? This is not golf. This is a team sport. So that means when, I, when I'm preaching, if I say something that really speaks to your soul, you say something like, amen. Give him a, come on, yeah, you say, amen. yeah, buddy, amen. yes, yes, preach it, those all work. But this, these are the kind of things that stoke up your preacher. I want you guys to recognize something. You have an amazing teacher in Nathan Breithaupt as well. I want you guys to, I want you to know that you have an amazing, pa- he, is a, he is a great pastor. And it's, I, I, I'm, I was blown away by what he got to share with us yesterday. And uh, real quick, I'm going to pray for him because right now he's getting ready for the second service at River City, which is like full of the people who are like bringing in all kinds of crap with them, you know, like spiritual stuff. So let's pray for him. Jesus. Bless Nathan as he's getting ready to speak. Fill him with the Holy Spirit right now, God. Bring to mind every scripture, every truth that you want him to bring out of, uh, out of your word, God. Fill him with the joy of the Lord and uh, give him confidence in what you are speaking to him and through him. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I bring greetings from Lewiston and River City Church. And I, I just feel uh, compelled to begin by just giving you guys a word of encouragement. Um, uh, I'm reminded of the words of Paul in Colossians uh, 1, where he said, we, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you heard it from Nathan our beloved and fellow servant who is a faithful servant of Christ Jesus on your behalf. May you be encouraged this morning. We in Lewiston are encouraged to hear about the things that are happening here at the Refuge. And we, are, we stand with you guys as part of the LifeLinks Church Network, uh, as part of 
uh, as part of your DNA. We, we love you guys. I just want you guys to know that. And we are encouraged to hear about, about people getting freed up, people coming to Christ, people being discipled. We, I'm, I'm, I get to hear all these things from my brother and, and from Nathan, and it's really, really encouraging. So I just want you guys to be lifted up with that. Amen? Amen. So uh, turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians. <clears throat> so um, when I, I, I'm taking a master's degree in... Um, I'm undergoing a Master's of Arts in Biblical and Theological Studies. It's just a fancy term for, you know, a lot of old, old words, um, basically, <laughs> and how to put them together, <laughs> hopefully. So, um, and uh, I remember, though, um, a couple years ago, uh, I get into, uh, uh, a bunch of us are, are brought over to Portland, Oregon. I'm uh, taking classes through Western Seminary over in Portland, and they're, uh, and we're all supposed to get together, and then our, our theology professor, uh, Dr. Gary Brashears, gets up um, in front of everybody, and he says, uh, all right, what's the gospel? And we're all kind of like, uh, 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 you know, we, you don't want to get the gospel wrong. Like, what if you, like, you know, said something wrong about the gospel, and then, and then, and then our, your professor would be upset with you. So what are you going to do? Well, he's like, what's the gospel? He sits there with arms crossed, kind of looking at us sideways, and he's just like, not a trick question. What's the gospel? If I never knew who Jesus was, if I'd never met him, and you were going to pull out some scriptures and tell me about Jesus, what would you tell, tell me? And finally, after like, it felt like several minutes of awkward silence, somebody timidly raised their hand, raises their hand and goes, John 3.16. He's like, yes, that's good. That's good. Okay, great place to start. What else? Like, I don't know, John 3.16, it's at all the football games, you know, like people hold it up. And, and so where do you go from there? And I think it's very important to recognize something that the gospel is what it's all about. And sometimes we tend to forget what the gospel is. And so I want to help you define today a little bit deeper what the gospel is. I'm going to go into a passage of scripture that you're probably pretty familiar with. So if you're in the second chapter of Ephesians, you're right there and you probably know where I'm going with this. But I hope... It's my hope and my prayer that I can uh, uncover some things about the depth of the gospel. Because the gospel is like an ocean, right? You see what's on the surface and you go, wow, that's incredible, that's beautiful. But the deeper you go, (laughs) the more incredible it gets. You know the weird things that are on the bottom of the ocean? No, you don't, because you're not a scientist. You're just, you know, I don't know, there's no ocean around here. Is anybody here like an ocean zoologist and I'm missing that? Okay, no. Um, I didn't think so. So there's all kinds of amazing things. The deeper you get into the gospel, the deeper you get to know Jesus, the more incredible things you're going to unpack about who he is. So if you guys are, are ready, um, we're going to just dive right into this. How much time do I have, by the way? Like two hours? Okay. <laughs> I, got, I have some, some flexibility. Okay, that's what I'm told. That's a dangerous word for me. But okay. Um, so... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read this. We're just going to pray and unpack it together, all right? So uh, I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Um, And I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, open this up to us. Help us to understand what the gospel is, the depth and beauty of the gospel. Bring it to life for us, God. And I pray that today your spirit would make this real for everyone in this room. And God, help me to speak humbly. Help me to speak accurately. Help me to speak concisely. God, fill me with your spirit as, uh, as I speak this, God. I submit myself to you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> every good, like, has anybody ever read uh, A Christmas Carol by, by uh, um, Charles Dickens? Anybody actually read it? Yes. College students, I hope maybe some of you have for like a lit class or something like that. Uh, if you've ever read it, you know the beginning of the book. Uh, because very, it's, it's a very famous opening sentence. It says, Jacob Marley was dead to begin with. Very first word of the whole story. So you all know Jacob Marley. If you've ever watched like the Christmas Carol things, I know Christmas is coming up and maybe I'm talking about it too early and that's really awkward and I'm sorry. But in a Christmas Carol, you know, Jacob Marley is the one who like haunts Scrooge and is like, and then he's like, and and Scrooge gets freaked out. And then at the end of it, he gives a cooked goose to everyone or something like that. So um, it, it all ends up pretty good in the end. But it starts with that one line, Jacob Marley was dead to begin with. And here's the thing about the gospel. You need to understand something about the gospel. We need to be reminded of this. Point number one, you were dead. You were dead. Number one, you were dead to begin with. Now, for me, I, I was raised in a Christian home. I, at six years old, I gave my life to Jesus, you know, and, uh, or so I thought. But actually, you know, it's him saving me. And there's like this whole other divine interaction going on. But I just thought it was me making a decision, you know, putting on my red board, my, my little swim trunks, you know, the kind with the netting in it because it was the 90s. And then like getting in the little horse trough and then they baptize you, right? And so I thought that, you know, so that was me. That was my salvation experience. I didn't exactly get saved from a life of debauchery and like, I was not heart partying hard at age six, you know, like I was not delivered from something like that at the age of six. I've been raised knowing who Jesus is, yet at the same time, I always have to remind myself, number one, you were dead. Really? Six years old? Yes, you were dead. You're born dead in your sins, Period. Two, in two categories that Paul points out for us. One is trespasses and the other is sins. In other words, in theological terms, you could call this a sin of commission, trespasses, where you intentionally do things that are wrong. How do we know that they're wrong? Because there is a lawgiver, a moral lawgiver, who tells us what right and wrong is. And ergo, when you break his moral law, that is a trespass. Anybody ever been hunting and seen the no trespassing sign? All right. Anybody hunted anyway, even though it said no trespass? No. <laughs> Mark's raising his hand. All right, well, we need to pray for him. Okay. So, you, trespassing, intentionally sinning. And then there's sins. It uses kind of a junk drawer term for that. Sins of omission. There are times when you just 
don't do the right thing. So there's times when you do the wrong thing, and then there's other times when you don't do the right thing. Both of these would be included in the category of sin. And I want to be very clear on this, because the world wants to often redefine what things are. And I spoke this actually at Regenerate just a little bit ago, and I feel like this word is relevant. There's a difference between sin and mistakes. There's a big difference between sin and mistakes because a mistake is not always necessarily a sin, but a sin is always a mistake. Does that make sense? So if you are sinning, that is always going to be a mistake. But, you know, if I put the left turn signal on and then turned right because I was just being absent-minded, I'm never absent-minded though, right, Jamie? (laughs) Would that be a sin or a mistake? Mistake, right? It's an honest mistake, right? I've... That brings to mind when I got pulled over one time for not having a turn signal. And I knew that both turn signals... Here's a good example, right? Okay, so I didn't use a turn signal. That would be a mistake, right? However, um, not using a turn signal twice in a row because I know that my turn signals don't work because they're broken. And then I get pulled over by a cop. And then he asks me, um, are your taillights... Uh, what's wrong with your taillights? And then you go, you want to check your left turn signal? Oh, I just... Oh, that's weird. I, I don't know what's happening. I... <laughs> I, I don't know. You, try, you should try the right one. Try the right. Okay, okay. That one's not working either. That's weird. <laughs> That's really weird. I'm sorry. I, I didn't. Did you have any idea this was? Uh, did you have any idea that this was broken? No, none whatsoever. I had no idea that this was going on in my car. I'll get it fixed right away, officer. At that point, we're crossing the line from mistake into. <laughs> I'll admit that. Okay, I lied to a police officer. Okay, I did. But I got out of a ticket, so. Doesn't doesn't make it any better at all. But it happened. There's grace for that. Amen. So, um, <clears throat> okay, so he talks about the sins and trespasses, right? So sins that you commit, sins that, or things, other good things that you omit. And then what happens is you are walking in them. And in so doing, you're doing two things. You're following the world. What is the world? It is our culture. It is, it, it is a, okay, so if all people are sinners by birth, Ergo, when you have a society that is created by sinners who are born at birth, that society is going to be steeped in sin. It's going to be steeped in brokenness, steeped in issues um, that many of them are not even aware of because a goldfish is not aware of the water in which it is swimming. That's the world. Okay? So you're following this world, and secondly, you're following the prince of the power of the air. Anybody ever seen the church lady on Saturday Night Live? Who could it be? Maybe, who is the prince of the power of the air? Hmm? Who is it? I just don't know. It could, could it be Satan? Could you put on like the reverb right there? Satan! Um, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about the spiritual enemies of God and His people, and they are real. As Christians, we believe that there are powers and principalities, cosmic powers over this present darkness. And when we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins, we were walking with him, agreeing with him, going along with him, even enjoying the things that he did. And that's where the state that we are in before we know Christ. And see, this is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once walked. All, not some. Not some of us. Just because you were born into a Christian family does not mean that you didn't walk in darkness before you knew Christ. You have to know Christ for yourself. You may not ride into the presence of God on the coattails of another person. You must know God. And my encouragement to you, my challenge to you today is know Christ. 
know Christ in the fullness of His glory today. We all once walked in this sin, in this death. We were dead people walking. Zombies, as it were. You've all seen The Walking Dead. Maybe not. You're like, no, I don't actually watch that show. I've never seen anything with blood or violence in it. Whatever. The point is... You know what I'm talking about. Dead zombies. You had no will of your own. You were trapped, enslaved by your sin. And it says that you were carrying out the desire. What does this mean? You're like, well, I, I, maybe I wasn't quite like that. What does it mean? Because he says you were carrying out the, the, the we, were, uh, we were living in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. In other words, treating yourself as though you were only a, a, a big piece of biology. Like, I, I just have my natural needs, instincts, and desires, and I follow those. Everything else is, you know, whatever. I'm not a spiritual being. And even those who claim to be spiritual but don't know Jesus are still walking in the same death. They're still blindfolded to the, what the truth is. They're still dead. And we are all here. We were all children of wrath. You know what that means? It means that we are all deserving of God's anger. Because, and, and I know some people go, if God's all loving, He can't actually dislike people. God wouldn't be all loving if He looked at the world and the way that it is and the hurt that's out there and the cancer and the wars and the famines and children that are abandoned and neglected and the single moms and all the difficulties of this world and alcoholism and drug abuse and say, looks fine to me. That's not a loving God. A loving God looks in this and goes, this is broken. This is messed up and I am angry about it. A good loving God gets angry about sin. And it's a good, right thing. And this is something we need to wrestle with as Christians. But God gets angry at sin. And we were children of wrath, deserving of the wrath of God. What I'm trying to convince you of today is that that is where you were at one point in your life before you knew Christ. Maybe you don't know Jesus today. That is where you are at. Jacob Marley was dead to begin with. The last nail had already been put in his coffin. But God. But God. This is incredible. Look at this. Verse 4. Oh, there's good news on the way. On the third day. Come on, somebody help me out. But God. But God. Turn to somebody say, but God. God. Turn to somebody on the other side and say, but God. God. There you go. Say it a little bit louder. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. But God, but God, He is the God of the but, like as not like the B-U-T-T kind. Okay, He is the God of the... Some, he will take the exception and make it the rule. He is the God who is... But God. We can make all kinds of excuses about, about who we are, but God. You may have been in a place where you were broken, but God can heal your brokenness. You may be in a place where you need healing, but God can bring you healing. You may be in a place of loneliness, but God can be your comfort. But God, but God, but God. It doesn't matter what the blank is that needs to be filled in, but God can fulfill that blank in your life by the power of Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. God is with you today. God is in this place. And He's speaking to you today. Three verbs here that are very important. But God, first of all, made us alive together. Often when we talk about the gospel, we'll say something along the lines of, you've been saved? You've been saved yet? You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb? You know, I don't know if, you've been, I don't know if you grew up in the Bible Belt. <laughs> I 
<laughs> I love my my dad sent me a my my, my they actually one time I was uh, where where was I oh I don't remember that one okay I had a story but never mind it's gone um, I was one one time asked like what my religious preference was and I just said washing the blood of the lamb just try that sometime and see what kind of reaction you get from people if they're asking you oh yeah that's right that's at the hospital thanks Jamie yeah I was at the hospital and then they were like and I had um, appendicitis and it really sucked um, and it was terrible but that's a whole different story for a different sermon but I pull it in there and I'm like they're like oh, what's your religious preference I go wash in the blood of the lamb <laughs> like, okay <laughs> kills small animals you know like I don't like <laughs> so I, I you know I don't they don't have any concepts for that no idea anyway so God makes you alive together with Christ so we talk about being saved being saved from what being saved from death. Being saved from death. That death that began, isn't this crazy? Your death begins when you're alive. Isn't that crazy? And it doesn't end until you actually become alive. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, right? you have to be saved, right? You have to be saved and reborn. Born again is the term that we use. Maybe you've heard that before, born again, but this is what it's talking about. You have to be made alive together with Christ. I love, I love that alive together term. It's actually one word. It's, we have a hard time translating it in, in English. Made alive together is actually like one word. Together alive. He together alive to you. <laughs> like, like, he together alive to you with Jesus. So, this is the thing. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to earth. God s- somehow squeezed himself into a, hum- into a human body. And then gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins so that by faith in him we can be saved. But here's the important thing. And this is the interesting thing. When my professor was asking me about what, asking us about what the gospel is, he turned, told us to look at Acts 2 and asked us to look at the gospel, first uh, sermon that Peter ever preached at Pentecost. And he goes, okay, what does Peter talk about? Does he talk about um, the payment for your sins? Does he talk about Jesus being crucified? Yeah, and we tend to focus on that a lot. Jesus crucified, and it is the most amazing picture of grace. But you know why it's a powerful picture? You know why the cross... Oh, there's no crosses back here. That's, <laughs> well, you know why the cross is such a powerful image? It's, not, it, it's like... It's because it's empty. Bingo. Jordan preached for me. Okay, so... Because the cross is empty. That's the point. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. The only reason any of this makes sense is if our Savior is alive, and He is today. So there are three things I want you to look at. First of all, you ha- when you trust in Jesus, He makes you alive together with Him. So suddenly you are dead, like in a, it met pictures, a picture like in a coffin, and then suddenly, you know, kind of terrifying. Sorry if that's kind of a terrifying image. But like suddenly, you come to life through Jesus because God made you alive. This is the good news. He made you alive. Secondly, He raised you up. He didn't just make you alive so that you could just cruise through life and be a nice person. Je- Jesus, God, God didn't just save you, didn't just regenerate your heart, change who you are from the inside out so that you could be nice. He changed you so that He could raise you up with Christ. How many of you believe that is a connotation of power? Jesus standing up from the grave and saying, Boom! Suck it, death! I just won! And I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to hang out with my disciples for 40 more days. I'm going to do some more signs and wonders. And then I'm going to tell them, Wait here. I'm going to leave. And then I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to be able to do even greater things than I did when I was here. 
This is the power we're talking about. Life that begins right now. So, here comes the heartbeat starts. Then, you come out of the grave. This is getting like really Halloween-y, sorry. Um, And then, it says that He has seated you with Him. He has raised us up with Him. By the way, by grace you have been saved. Paul just like can't even help it. He has to put that in there. By grace you've been saved. I know I'm going to say this again later, but by grace you've been saved. And then he says, you've been raised up and now you're seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This means that as a Christian, you have authority. You have power. You have Jesus said, I've given you authority to heal, to cast out demons, to to help other people's lives get transformed so that they can see Jesus for themselves. So that Jesus can reveal himself to other people through you. And sometimes it's really simple. Sometimes it's just saying hello to somebody and becoming their friend and then eventually leading them towards Jesus, towards the good shepherd. Other times it's it's a demonstration of power where it's like, oh my gosh, your grandma's got cancer? Well, let's pray for her right now. Healing. Suddenly it's like, wow, God is in the house. You're like, amen, hallelujah. You want to become, become a Christian? Yeah, that's authority. Jesus gives you authority. And I, I just feel like as I was preparing this, somebody in this place, you've struggled with, I feel like this is a prophetic word for somebody, you have struggled with the idea of being trustworthy. You, you feel like uh, you have been told that you can't be trusted with certain things. Um, be, be trusted with any kind of responsibility, uh, either because you're, maybe because you're not smart enough or because you're just not capable or what have you. And the Lord wants you to know today that He confers authority upon you. He has given His authority to you. And Jesus trusts you to bring His kingdom to earth. So why? Why does God do this? But God, so you, again, it's one of those things where we tend to disqualify ourselves. We tend to want to say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too weak. I'm too, I'm too whatever. I'm, 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 I'm too far inland. I'm not, you know, I don't know what the, what the excuse is, but like, <laughs> I take too many vitamins. I don't know what your excuse is, but we tend to like put these ridiculous barriers up to where God can't use us. But God, turn to somebody, say, but God, again, but God. But God. Because people have been doing... You're not the first one to do this. People have been doing this for centuries. Okay? Abraham goes up to God and he's like... Or God says, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. <laughs> but... When, and then he, his but God is... <laughs> my God, I'm really old. And my wife is well advanced in years. <laughs> Very strategic terminology there. <laughs> my wife is well advanced in years. And God's like... Tap, tap. Okay, this is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. I have great things planned for you. Moses appears before sees God in the burning bush. Pretty miraculous thing. The bush isn't burning, it's on fire, but it's not actually burning. And then God says, I'm going to use you to save my people from the Egyptians. He's like, I, I, got, I, the, I, I can't talk good. See? I just did. I just talked really bad. So I'm, I, I can't. I'm slow. I'm slow of speech. My tongue, that, my, it makes my tongue numb just thinking about it. I can't do public speaking. It scares me. And then, God's like, fine, I'll get your brother to speak for you. Golly, go save my people. 
We are wasting time here. God has great things planned for you. And you have been given authority from heaven to actually bring some of that to earth. How many of you want to do that for your family? How many of you want to do that for your friends, for your co-workers, for your loved ones? There is an authority that God has given you. So whenever the world says something about you that disqualifies you, whenever your family says something about you, whenever you say something about you, you can say, but God. But God, but God, why? So why? Why would God do this? This, is, this actually was amazing to me as I was looking closer at this passage. Look, look at verse 7. So that, hina in the Greek, very important hinge word. He has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. In other words, he wants proof of his grace in the earth. His, the proof of God's grace in the earth is not just signs and wonders and miraculous things. The proof of God's grace is not just great Bible teaching. The proof of God's grace is not even just the great worship songs that we were singing this morning. The proof of God's grace is not the Holy Ghost goosebumps. You are the proof of God's grace. You are the proof of God's grace. Because nobody else can say what you can say about God. Because you have a testimony that is uniquely yours. I was in this place and God brought me to this place. I was in a valley and God brought me to the mountaintop. I was lonely and then God brought me into a place where I have a community again. I was, I was soft-spoken and shy and I thought that I was weak and weird, but God brought me into a place where I belong and God gave me strength and courage to speak when I need to speak up. I've never had that kind of boldness before. That is proof of the grace of God. You are the proof of God's grace in the world. He wants you to be like a shining diadem on His crown in glory. When you see Jesus coming in glory, we just get to be the decoration of our Heavenly Father. We get to be a decoration of His glory going, look at how great God is. I know He's great because of what He did in me. I know what God did in me. I know what God did in my friends. I know what God did in my family. I know God is real. And I know that His grace is real. And the world knows that His grace is real. And anybody that knows me knows that His grace is real because it's real in me. You are the proof of God's grace. Isn't that incredible? God wants you. You. Personally. You. He wants you to be an example of His grace. And then, why? And His grace was expressed to us in kindness. And so he says, you've been saved. Now we, talk, now we can get into the, into the Bible belt talk. You've been saved. <clears throat> you've been saved. You've been washing the blood. I watched this, I watched this dude. My dad sent me, a, sent me a video a while ago, this dude preaching, and I just loved it because this dude's like half singing, half preaching. I wish I could do it, but I'm not African-American, so I'm not about to try. And he's just like, he, he's just like it doesn't matter if you're Episcopalian. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Methodist. It does, the only thing that matters is the blood. The only thing that's going to matter is the blood. And death is going to hop over you. The only thing that's going to save you, anyway, um, is the blood. I wish I could get some help in this place, amen. You have been saved. Yes, somebody wave a hanky for me, please. So you've been saved. 
So you were dead, but God made you alive, raised you up with Christ, seated you with Christ, so you have everything. He has shared all of himself with you. Jesus received the inheritance of the Holy Spirit from his Father and then gives it to you so that you get to share in that. And because of that, we can confidently say that you have been saved. And in the Greek, this is in the perfect tense. You're like, wow, I do not care. That's... uh, (laughs) Really, this is because... The perfect tense is something that we don't even have in English. What it means is, this is a, uh, it's like saying something has happened in the past, a completed past event that continues to have effects in the present. So, when we say we have been saved, yes, you've been saved. But we can't look at it as a one-time event. It's like I've been and have been being saved since God first saved me when I was six years old, and he's been saving me ever since. Uh, that's, that's why I love the, the lyrics of that, and that song. Actually, Jed wrote this part of that song, uh, our champion that we sang this morning. He who saved us once will save us still. He who saved you a long time ago. Maybe you gave your life to Christ when you were a long, a, a long time ago. Maybe you got sprinkled as a baby or something like that. Or you know, I, don't, I don't know what your experience is, what your walk with God is, but God is continuing to save you even right now. So turn to Jesus. Whatever difficulty you're going through, turn to Jesus. Because see, he says it's by grace through faith. In other words, faith is the track that you lay, and then and grace is the train. So hop on the grace train. It is not by anything that you do. This is the most. This is like the most important part of it is that it is a gift of God. Jesus saves you from a life of sin, death, destruction, meaninglessness, all that. He saves you. From that, and continues to save you, brings you closer to Him by grace through faith. That means you don't earn it. You can't pay the price. There is no price that you could pay that's high enough to earn God's grace. So it's, that's why He says it's not from yourselves and it's not by works. So it's not by virtue of being, I'm sure, I know that we're all really nice. I think I'm a pretty nice guy. Sometimes. Am I a nice guy? Right, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, but it's not because of who I am. It's not because of my family line. It's not because of who my parents were. It's not because of something that I did. It's not because I read my Bible. It's not because I pray every day. It's not because I feel, you know, whatever it is. We, we, it, those are not the things that save you. Those are actually the fruit of being saved. Like, th- like those are things that you should do out of joy for the life that you have in God through Christ. So, by grace, and this is one of the most powerful scriptures, but I just wanted to like build you up to this so you can get some deeper context for it. By grace, you have been and continually are being saved. Turn to somebody and say, I've been saved. Turn to somebody else and say, I'm getting saved again. By the blood. Turn to somebody else and say, it's only by the blood. Only by the blood. By grace, through faith, and it's a gift of God. Not of yourselves, not by works. Why? So no one can boast. Otherwise, I could get up here and be like, let me tell you about how to get saved. And then I'd tell you, if you read your Bible every day and you drink decaf because caffeine is evil and you, you know, like I could, I could give you all these rules and then it literally would be a self-help book that would sell bazillions of copies. It would be called Sam Main's How to Get Saved, period. And then that like 
That would sell billions of copies because people like, yeah, you read the book, you follow the steps, you get saved. That's, that's it. It's super, like, you have to just do a few rules, like, follow a few rules in your life, and that's it, and you're, you're in. And then, no, that's, it's not about following rules. It's about getting into a re- living relationship with a living God who loves you. Hmm. Finally, he says, you are his workmanship. Made for good works in Christ Jesus. For those of you who have had doubts, welcome to the club. (laughs) If you're a Christian and you haven't had any doubts about various things within your faith at some point or another, you haven't wrestled seriously with God or with Scripture, it's okay if you're at a place where you are having doubts Talk to some... Look at around you. Look at these people around you. This body is here to love you, support you, and help you work through things. You are made... But I, and I just want to encourage you and remind you today that you were made for good works. God has prepared you for good things. And I just want to prophesy over you that there are some things that are coming that you didn't even think you were prepared for. I really believe that there's there's going to be a, a season coming for the refuge uh, where you guys are going to be able to step out in faith and and make some difference, um, almost like a like an undercurrent, as it were. Where I feel I believe that this body is going to be a, a sort of undercurrent where people are going to know about you but like not know about you. Where they're like they'll find out something good that's happening in the community, and then they're going to go, oh yeah, that's the refuge. Uh, they're like, they're like, it's like their brand is secretly on everything because they are involved in everything. Somehow you guys got your fingers in all the pie, all the right pies. I believe that God is going to bring some of that to you because you're his workmanship and he's created good works in advance for you. So you don't have to invent the good works. You don't have to try to come up with them on your own. God already made them in advance. Before the foundations of the world, God already knew, I got works for people to do. I got works for Nick to do. I got works for I and Jordan to do. I got, I got works. I got works prepared for them, just for them. That's only for them. Even Jed has some works. That takes a lot. He's my little brother. It took me a lot to say that. I just want to say. Even Jed has great works in advance for him. No. There's, there are great things that God has planned for you. And, God, and it's all because of the power of the gospel. Is this making sense to anybody this morning? It's, that is what the gospel is. Point one, you were dead. Point two, but God made you alive. Point three, you've been saved by grace through faith. If you don't know this living God... Come and talk to. Uh, we, we'll, uh, we'll come and talk to somebody. Somebody. Talk to Nick. Talk to uh, talk to one of the other elders here. And Nick, I know Nathan's not here, but uh, if you were here, you could talk to him. You talk to me. Um, but this is what the gospel is about. It's about new life that comes spring up from the inside out, not from the outside in. You don't have to go searching for God. God already found you. God came down to you. You say, how how do I know that God cares about me? How do you know that God cares about me? Because I'll tell you why. How you can know. This is something I remember hearing Dr. Tim Keller talk about, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Brooklyn. You can't look at the cross and say, God doesn't care. You can't look at the cross and say, God, there is a God out there who doesn't care about me. That is a God who cares deeply and intimately and personally for you. So, 
I, I hope that you guys leave today feeling encouraged, inspired, and knowing that this is what the good news is. And I'm telling you right now, we need more churches to preach the gospel. And when I say churches, I'm not just talking about leaders getting up here and preaching the gospel. I'm talking about Christians preaching the gospel. So be empowered today. If you are ready right now to receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit so that you can preach the gospel to somebody else in your life, would you just lift your hands and close your eyes this morning? Lord Jesus, would you come right now and fill every person in this room with the Holy Spirit? I'm asking right now for a fresh filling, for a fresh boldness. In Acts, it says that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they, they didn't know what to say when they healed a man who, is, who had been lame from birth. God, I pray for boldness to preach the gospel. And if you don't know Jesus... If you feel like you've known about Him, but you haven't actually known Him personally, this God who makes you alive, transforms your life, and, and gives you a life that goes on for eternity, forever and ever, I want you to pray with me. You can pray out loud. At some point, I want you to make a confession of faith that says, I believe in Jesus. So if that's you, if you don't know Jesus this morning, then I want you to pray this. God, I know that you're real. I believe in you. And I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I believe that you died in my place as a sacrifice for my screw-ups, for the things that I've messed up, for my brokenness, even for the things that have been done against me that I feel have contaminated me. I know that you died for those things. And I ask you to forgive me Please forgive me for the wrong that I've done. And now, God, help me to forgive those who have done wrong against me. I receive your spirit. And to the best of my knowledge, I want you to change my life. I want you to take the driver's seat. I want you to own my life. It all belongs to you. Every single part of it. This is not, I, I don't want to just live on Sunday mornings as a Christian and live differently every other day. God, I want to give you every minute, every hour of my life. I want you, Jesus, to be my friend. I believe in you. Thank you for giving me new life in Jesus' name. And everybody say So, this is, this is the challenge, I guess. It's for those of you who have already been saved. I want you to get to know the gospel some more. And remember that you have not just been, you were not just saved one time a long time ago, but that God is continuing to move and to save you. And there are many more times where you're going to be crying out to God in your life. And you're going to be like, who's going to save me? And God's going to save you again and again and again. Your sins have been... But if you put your faith in Jesus, I just want to tell you, you've been justified. All the sins that you have ever committed, every sin that you will commit, everything, that, anything that is an affront to God has been put away forever. Forever. You have been forgiven. Seriously, you've been washed in the blood. You've been washed in the blood. So, thank, we thank you, God, for this time. Thank you guys for having me today. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. Oh. If I could just say something about this young man. I didn't realize how much I missed Lewiston when I get...
get to see this guy, but when I got to meet the Maines family, they're all amazing. From Scott and Suzanne, Danny, this young man here, and we're lucky to have Jed. I realize that I get content and I get complacent and and my you know, I was one of those guys with the cross didn't have Jesus off of it, the crucifix. When I got saved, I was challenged. I was lucky to be married to a wonderful woman, Shireen, that challenges me and, and, and pushes me. But this family, and this guy right now in particular, I got my arm on, I would learn a bass line, and he's a phenomenal bass player, by the way. I would learn a bass line, and then next week, there's a new song. And then you notice those three songs we did in the beginning were mains, names on it. There was always something new to learn. And what I, what I saw when we came to Lewiston in 2004, this family moved in there. Uh, another family they know real well, the Stein Group, who are our best friends, are now in Bozeman. We all moved in there for the glory of God and because we're all kind of blabbermouths and we aren't afraid to stick our nose in people's lives and preach the gospel a little bit. But whenever I see this young man and his brother here behind us, I can't get complacent. You can't get complacent when you when you are around this kind of enthusiasm for Jesus. So I just wanted to say we really appreciated you here. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, thank you, Sam. It's really great. If uh, anybody was here, like after the message, you know that the gospel is just shared. If you feel like you need to get prayer, we have two people over here, or maybe more than two. We'll have a few people over here for the prayer team. Um, in fact, you can go up now. Whoever those would be on the prayer team, please go. And so, um, prayer for anything, go over here. We encourage that. Step in of faith, going over here. You know, if you feel like there's physical need, financial need, whatever, um, you can do that right now. Or there's our life groups where we can share, share with somebody the things that are going through. This is a together thing. It's the body of Christ. Amen. So, as we're leaving, don't forget the pumpkins on the way out. You saw the squash pumpkins. There's both, I think. And if you want to know which ones to cook and can eat, talk to Jake Harold. He's a pro. No, Rachel, I'm just